ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heel Turn, our live weekly wrestling show, and the official podcast of ProWrestling.Cool. It's not just cool, it's dot cool. We're here to talk about this past week in professional wrestling. And by that, I mostly mean the WWE. So we're going to talk about Raw. We're going to talk about SmackDown Live. We're not going to talk about Miz and Mrs. I, I, I'm not watching that show, no. And we're going to talk about NXT. Except for the champion. Because I can't. I can't. But we are streaming this live over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ozoneonline. And also we're on Twitter at the heel turn, so send us your questions and your comments, and we'll see and we'll get to them as we deem fit. Also also I'm Owen. Hi. You may notice that I did not mention doing this on uh, on Mixer. And there's a reason for that. And that reason being, we're not allowed to anymore. Because we did a little something on Twitch where now we are affiliates. Hooray! What does that mean? It means we can make money from subscriptions and bits. But also we signed an agreement that says we can't stream what we stream on Twitch elsewhere. At the same time. I I don't know. Contracts are weird. But yeah, we're now exclusive. He'll turn the streaming rights for the live version are now exclusive to Twitch. So that, that will be your go-to source. And it works out well because that's usually the chat that I'm checking the most often. So welcome aboard this new road that we're going down. We went from being on... Two platforms, to three, to two, and now we're on one. So this past weekend was a fun one. And, well, you know, aside from the news on Sunday. But Saturday was fun because I was down in Wildwood, New Jersey, and WWE had a house show down there on the boardwalk. And it was a SmackDown-branded show, so you knew it was going to be a good time. It's kind of my... Summer tradition is to go to the house show down there because, one, the venue is awesome, and uh, two, it's all you know. I'm on the beach anyway, so it makes sense. So, what we do do down there is, uh, you know, we go on the boardwalk, we play a bunch, we go on a bunch of amusement rides, and you know, get some food, which me and my friend grabbed dinner before the show, and then we went. On to uh, walk down to the convention center, get in line, and watch a night of awesome shows with uh, Byron Saxon hosting. And he brought a lot of excitement. It was pretty good. Like, you know how he is all hyped up on commentary and everyone brings him down? Well, imagine that, except he uh, he's just by himself. And he gets to be super excited about everything all the time and get the crowd hyped up. So he he did a great job there. And then we had a show that was up and down, but mostly up. Like, the only down match, I would say, from the house show was Shelton Benjamin versus R-Truth. Because it was more of just like a joke. Kind of a joke match where they started dance at the beginning and then when the actual wrestling happened... 
it wasn't that great. But, you know, aside from that, we had a tag team match with Becky Lynch and Lana taking on Mandy Rose and Cindy Deville. Lana actually was decent. Like, she played her role well, which, you know, if you watch SmackDown this week, you could tell she's getting better in the ring. We had... What else did we have? We had a triple threat for the tag titles between the, uh... The Bludgeon Brothers, the Usos... And the uh, the Good Brothers, and there were a bunch of super kicks and a lot of good, good times, and like a hostile match broke out between Luke Gallows and uh, and uh, Rowan. That was good. High flying for a house show. Very surprising. I don't know if all the toes were on the line because we also had Naomi take on Carmella, with Carmella cheating, of course. And the main event being Samoa Joe against AJ Styles, which is our SummerSlam match. And, of course, AJ Styles won. Pretty handily, because it's a house show, they didn't want to give away too much, but it was still a good match. We also had a weird match with Ty Dillinger against Sankara, which didn't make much sense. Andrade, Cianamis, fought... who did he fight? I think he fought Rusev. I think I think he fought Rusev. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Rusev, and uh, he he ended up cheating to win, which is a bummer. But yeah, so after that, everyone had a good time. Crowd was super into it as they always are. Oh, we also had Jeff Hardy against Nakamura for the U.S. title. Since I mentioned all belts were on the line, and that was fun. There was a good spot where uh, Nakamura was going for a low blow, and he missed. And the referee caught him. So yeah, it was just a bunch of fun times. If you if you uh, happen to fall upon a SmackDown house show in your area, and you get cheap enough tickets, why not go for it? It's a good time. And apologies for uh, kind of like being thrown off at the beginning there. On the the podcast version, because on the stream we got our first subscriber, and I was trying not to freak out because I told you the whole affiliate thing's new. This is the first stream with that, so that's a new thing. Where it plays music on the stream version, and I kind of go, Whoa! So, apologies for that. People on the podcast version are freak are totally confused, and not having a co host to cover for me when I'm trying to figure things out. Kind of difficult. So yeah, that that was my weekend of wrestling. Aside from, of course, the G One, which continues to be so much wrestling, so much wrestling. And if you want access to me and Trace, our new our new Japan correspondent from Seattle, Japan. Don't don't question that. That's that's where he's that's where he is. You can go over to patreon.com slash PWC and for as little as a dollar a month, you can get access to all of our G1 podcasts, with the exception of the G1 special in San Francisco and the finals, which will be locked behind the usual nine ninety nine tier for our premium monthly podcast. But you're still getting a lot because 
Let me tell you, me and Trace are in the middle of recording this week's, and it's going to be another five-hour episode, just like last week. A lot of podcasts that you can get for just a dollar, but hopefully, hopefully more. So, uh, Osaga the Great in the chat says that really Seattle is just the New Japan where this pro wrestling happens. I mean, it's called New Japan. So it would only make sense that our New Japan correspondent would be in New Japan. I mean, it only, it, it's just logic. But yeah, that, that's all I got for uh, my, my usual ramblings at the top of the show. If anyone else has any questions or has some news topics they want me to talk about in the next section, please let me know in the chat because I'm going to hit the button and we're going to move on into the news. That's the news. Our first uh, news story is a bit of a downer. Well, it's two downers that both occurred on Sunday. The day after I had all the fun times in Wildwood watching the SmackDown people do their thing. We had uh, Nikolai Volkov, WWE Hall of Famer, pass away at the age of 70. Which, you know, he was the uh, the, the big Russian guy who worked with Iron Sheik and actually won the tag titles at the first WrestleMania. And the other death at age 46... Brian Christopher, you know, the son of Jerry the King Waller, and the shame. His is less, you know, oh no, he guess he was just old. His more is, uh, he's been having some substance abuse problems, and he was in jail, and he, uh, he hung himself, and he did not recover, so. That's a bummer. You know, hopefully as time goes on in professional wrestling, as the culture changes, especially with all the stuff WWE is doing with the uh, the performance center and the uh, the policy, the wellness policy, we see less of this and more of just, you know, people take care of themselves and just living to be old people who show up every now and then for a pop. Yeah. It's just a bummer. And if you think that's all I've got for bummer news, you would be wrong. Because I've got more bummers. With, uh... I got a question for you. Did you see the whole dispute going on with James Gunn and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Disney getting a hold of some old tweets from like 10 years ago from him? And them being really bad, but also 10 years old. Which, let me tell you, as someone who sees old posts, I and like want to delete them because they're terrible. And no, not that kind of terrible, but terrible is embarrassing. Then yeah, a lot can change in 10 years. And he got fired over those tweets. Well, someone has digged up some tweets from two current WWE superstars. Those being Ty Dillinger and Cedric Alexander. 
And these are from like six or eight years ago on Twitter. And, you know, they're not great. They're kind of bad jokes and bad taste. But they have apologized and regret the tweets and say that, you know, time has changed. Like, for example, Ty Dillinger now is a father. And, you know, he's older and wiser. And, you know, he understands more of where his head should be and how the world works. And those past views are wrong and stupid and weren't funny. Cedric put out a similar statement as well. But WWE, as of this podcast, has not responded to uh, the situation or has done any disciplinary action to them. So, hopefully nothing comes of this, because this is stupid. Also, social media is stupid. You should just find a way to delete all your old stuff, because you probably said some real terrible things. There's got to be a service that does that, I would assume. Uh, what else do we have in the news? Hopefully something good. Wow. O- Osaga the Great in the chat says, I mean, it's not like they can push Ty Dillinger less. You're not wrong. But also, he was on TV the last two weeks. With uh, the Samojo situation before Samojo went into the main event. And let me tell you, those segments with Ty Dillinger were super entertaining. He's a very good character. Also wrestler, but this relied more on his character work. And I had a good time watching him wrestle in that house show. So, I mean, they could push him less. But we'll see. Also, when we get to SmackDown, in regards to characters coming and going, uh, someone brought up a cool analogy that I will address at the end of the SmackDown coverage. I should explain all that. But let's get some positive news. How about this one? How about the rumor that Matt Riddle may be coming to the WWE? And, uh... If you don't know, Osaka the Great is my pal Oscar, who came, who went with me to the Royal Rumble back in January, and during that weekend we went to a House of Hardcore show where Matt Riddle had a match with Austin Aries, and it was off the chain. Matt Riddle is very good at what he does. And uh, the big thing tipping off that he's going to WWE is that he is he had to pull out of Pro Wrestling Gorilla's Battle of Los Angeles. For unknown reasons. All of a sudden. As if he's going to... As as if he signed a contract and he's going to make his debut at TakeOver Brooklyn. This month. We'll see, we'll see how that goes, but... Uh, the thing everyone is bringing up is... His uh, heavy use of pot... Like, he smokes a lot of marijuana. Like, a lot. Like, so much. Like, RVD levels of weed. And we were like, well, what about WWE's drug policy? And here's the thing. Marijuana is becoming more and more legal in the United States. And also, it's super legal in Canada. 
as well as other places. So perhaps they're easing up on that because when it comes to pain relief as a professional wrestler, because you are in a lot of pain in that business, marijuana is probably your one of the better things you can go to instead of, you know, painkillers and other type of really bad drugs. So hopefully this is a sign of better things to come regarding that kind of situation because let me just say it since it's sem- it's it's like kind of legal in Pennsylvania now wait wait's good it's good I mean I haven't done it in forever but it's good People should be able to do it, as long as they do it responsibly, as if they were to do alcohol. But yeah, that's my stance. And we're going to end the news, unless the chat has anything else they want me to discuss, on a positive note, and that is that the Cruiserweight Championship will be defended, not on 205 Live, but on SummerSlam. That's right, the Cruiserweights are going to be back on a pay-per-view again. This is the first time since the Greatest Royal Rumble that the Cruiserweights have appeared on a pay-per-view. Which is kind of crazy. But, considering how isolated the Cruiserweights are nowadays, they don't even appear on Raw. This is a good step. And, uh, the bad news is that knowing the WWE, it's going to be one of the three kickoff matches Instead of being on the main card where it belongs. Which, the do my boy Drew Gulak dirty. Put him in the spotlight he deserves. Let him on the main card. Let him win the title. Maybe then I can watch 205 Live again. Because I I really can't at this point. Because I'm watching all the, the New Japan. It's, it's rough. I'm watching a lot of wrestling. Uh, Soccer the Great says, uh, push Noam Dar. And... and I th- he might be. I don't know. I'm not watching 205 Live. He was winning matches until he lost that one to TJP recently. I don't know. I didn't. I haven't looked up what happened this week yet. Maybe he had another match. Give Noemder all the belts. He does not qualify for the heavyweight belts. At, or the women's. Or... Doing the tag belts by himself. He's not Braun Strowman. Wow. Oscar is going a bit wild in the chat, and this is why I don't let him on a microphone on this show. But uh, he does, in regarding news, he just said that Hogan tweeted out a video that looks like he's teasing an NWO thing. I bet he's not. I bet he's just being an idiot on Twitter. What else is new with Hulk Hogan? You know, work yourself so hard into a work that it turns into a shoot, Mark. That's that's the thing he did. There's also other things that we, he didn't do on Twitter that we don't want to really talk about. So there you go. That's it for the news. And we're going to move on to talk about Monday Night Raw. And this is the part where I say I didn't watch Monday Night Raw. 
And what I'm going to do is I'm going to look up the results. Because I've talked to people about what happened on Raw. But I didn't, I didn't watch it. So let's, let's do it. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. This is what the results say. Universal Champion Brock Lesnar refused to confront Roman Reigns. So yeah, this when the show opened with Roman Reigns calling out Brock Lesnar because he was advertised for the show. And then everyone's essentially going, yeah, Brock's not showing up because he doesn't want to be near you. You, you suck. Leave the building and maybe he'll show up. Then, so yeah, he uh, Roman Reigns ended up being barred from the building, so Brock Lesnar could show up for the last 15 minutes of the show. Real, real great. But speaking of 15 minutes, uh, Constable Baron Corbin beat Finn Balor in the longest match in Raw history. And you might go, well, what about that, uh, that gauntlet match that was over, it was like two hours? My response is... To all the people who I talked to who watched this, it felt like it was two hours long, because holy shit, Baron Corbin is a boring person. Finn Balor has turned into a boring person. I have, like, zero interest in this feud. Why does it keep happening? Why? Let Finn Balor be interesting. For the love of God, stop putting him with the most... Oh, God. Speaking of terrible shit, I heard that, uh... It's not in the results, but I heard that Elias had a segment with Bobby Lashley where Bobby Lashley sang real terrible and then beat up Elias because that's apparently a cool thing you can do. I'm really gl I'm really glad that Bobby Lashley went from I'm almost in the main event of SummerSlam to I'm beating up the guy who put out the album and has the the funny documentary on WWE Network. Because that's a real, real big plunge that he just took on the on the uh, card. Can't wait for that match on the kickoff show. Uh, Oscar says Constable Corbin is awesome, and I will not accept your slander. As a concept, sure. The stuff he's doing with Finn Balor, no, it's not good. And he's never been a good wrestler. And you can't say that he's good in the ring because you are a liar. And that is slander. We had a match with Alicia Fox and Natalia. And the reason that we had that instead of Mickey James is Mickey James was out this week. And Alicia Fox recently returned from you know the the void that she was in for the longest time. I I don't want I she was injured for a bit, but I don't think she was injured for this long. So I don't know where she was. And what we had was Alicia Fox ending up beating Natalia because she's the best friend of Ronda Rousey. And this is a way to set up Ronda's first match on Raw against Alicia Fox. So build her up with one match and then send her out to die. And you may be wondering, why would they put Ronda Rousey on free television? And the answer is, Ronda Rousey is currently on 
a media tour for that Mark Wahlberg movie. And the question will be coming up about her WWE career and how that's going. And she can promote, you should watch Raw on Monday, because I'll be doing the wrestling there. And everyone can see it. Kind of smart. I'll give WWE credit for that. Most of this Raw is written terribly, but I'll, that's a smart idea to do that since she's p- promoting this movie. I do love the fact that someone mentioned that they were promoting the movie on UFC this past weekend, and not once did they name Ronda Rousey as being in the movie. Despite the fact that she is in the UFC Hall of Fame. And Mark Wahlberg owns a part of the UFC. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, the, the the Elias and Bobby Lashley thing are in the notes, are in the uh, the raw results because, of fucking course it is. Why am I surprised? Why that they would recap this awful fucking segment that I actually did watch on YouTube and I'm very upset about. Oh God. It's just. You sh- if I would have thought to bring a clip to this episode, I would play that for you, but it's real bad. Bobby Lashley was on such a hot streak from Extreme Rules on, and then that those matches with the, the Fatal 4 and, and the Roman second Roman match, and now he's doing this awesome. Just fuck this. Uh, Jinder Mahal beat Braun Strowman by countout. And I'm assuming it's because... Yep, it's because Kevin Owens interfered. And was distracting Braun Strowman and tried to steal the money in the bank briefcase that he's going to try to actually take at SummerSlam. And it caused a countout. Oh, good. That's... Real good that you can say, I got a count-out win against Braun Strowman. You know who else had that? Sami Zayn. Where's Sami Zayn? He's dead. Oscar says Jinder Mahal should go over Strowman. He's a former world champion. Counterpoint, no. I saw that Punjabi prison match. I was there. No. Jinder's whole... You know, being calm bullshit is not helping. That thing, that whole thing is terrible as well. It's just, let's take every character that could possibly be interesting and take all the interesting parts out. The only exception being Braun Strowman because he's a big scary guy that tells people to get these hands. And you can't fuck that up somehow. You really can't. Uh... Apollo Crews defeated Occam? Oh boy, they're gonna they're keeping this Titus Worldwide versus Authors of Pain thing going, aren't they? Boy, the Authors of Pain Remember when they had a good manager and actually seemed like a fierce team to be reckoned with and could be like the top team on a brand? Who was that guy? Who was who was that guy that they had? Uh, it was a, a Mr. Dot Com of some sort. Remember him? 
now now the authors of pain are floundering and losing to Titus Worldwide and continuing a feud that no one cares about. Oscar says they abandoned Paul Ellering. It's their fault. I'm talking about the writers and Vince McMahon specifically getting rid of Paul Ellering. It's the worst thing they could have done. They doomed this team. They don't matter. Hell, it, I would say, like, if I didn't know that the, that the, uh, the Revival had a match later in, in the show, I'd say they were also a dead team. And they kind of still are. We'll get to it. Seth Rollins beat Drew McIntyre by disqualification. From what I've heard, this was a good match that ended quickly because they don't want to give it away entirely, despite the fact they gave it away heading into Extreme Rules. Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre work very well together. I think I would rather see these two have the match at SummerSlam. Because... While Dolph Ziggler's fine, I still have a really bad taste in my mouth from the Extreme Rules match. It's just, it's not going away. It was, it's not good. What else do we have here? Oh yeah, the, the Revival beat uh, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Because, I guess, the, the leaders of the world are c- continuing to go downward... On the you know the kind of ladder for the tag team division, and we need a heel team to fight against the B team, who are the champions for some ungodly reason. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Like the revival, I understand they're a good team. They should heat them up, but they should have been doing this for a while and not just hurrying it up just for SummerSlam. They deserve better. So. Also, if you've... uh, My good pal Core sent me a tweet from Matt Hardy earlier today where it looks like he may be hinting at retirement. Which, I guess... Kind of wish we could have gotten more with the Broken Universe, but if WWE's not going to let him, may as well retire. It's a shame, though. So There's so much potential in that gimmick that they're really wasting. But what do you expect for the WWE? Uh, Oscar says, uh, what if the Rollins versus McIntyre feud leads to the Shield versus 3MB at Survivor Series? Not gonna happen. Don't. Don't toy with me. Because, you know, I wish that would happen, but it's not. Because, one, the Shield's never going to all be healthy at the same time. And, two, they're never going to acknowledge, outside of weird WWE.com videos, that 3MB were a thing. Sasha Banks and Bailey beat the Riot Squad because... I don't fucking know what they're doing with Sasha Banks and Bailey. What are they doing with these two? Are they lovers? Are they friends? Is Bailey going to turn on Sasha Banks? We have a few more weeks until SummerSlam, so get excited for them to spring it into a feud at the very last second and have a terrible build that no one's going to care about in Brooklyn. Oh boy. 
Oh, man. Watch them just, like, not uh, ha have them have a match at, at SummerSlam and just leave them as a tag team because fuck it. Or maybe if they really want to do it, don't do it at SummerSlam. Build, actually, like, give this feud some time to actually build into a decent wrestling feud and have it at Evolution. You know, that all-women's pay-per-view. Maybe having the gr a rematch of the greatest women's match in recent memory be on the card could be a good idea. I don't know. Just call me crazy. Let's see what else. Oh, and thank God we get to the, to the main event segment where uh, Paul Heyman is telling Kurt Angle, no, the Brock Lesnar, he's not showing up because I, he, he hates wrestling despite being the longest reigning champion in recent memory. And uh, Kurt Angle threatening to fire him and then Brock Lesnar comes out. And doesn't give a shit. Just kills Kurt Angle. And then threatens to kill Paul Heyman because he can't be s controlled. And what I think they're doing with this is they are building it up. So that when Brock Lesnar goes off t to do the UFC full time and not do this WWE thing. They can write him off without any attachment to Heyman. So Heyman can stick around and actually be used properly, like on, say, a Ronda Rousey, someone who's very tough and a legit ass-kicker, but also needs a mouthpiece because she can't cut a promo. She just smiles a whole bunch. They pay, I think Paul Heyman would be great for that. They've always been hinting at him possibly having a female client. Why not? And uh, here's here's what Oscar has to say in the chat regarding the Sasha Banks and Bailey feud. Have it at SummerSlam, but then have it four more times on Raw leading up to Evolution and at the September pay-per-view. No, stop, stop doing saying what the WWE writers are actually going to do. What's wrong with you? And I'm not even going to acknowledge that other comment about Paul Heyman because that's not funny. It's not funny at all. Not cool. Him Cesaro had an eye patch at one point. It was great. He won a trophy. That doesn't matter. That's it for Raw. It's a hard show to recap because it's three hours and nothing good happens on it. However, the following day on SmackDown, it's a good show. And let me tell you the thing that someone told me this week that makes me go, yeah, that's why I like SmackDown. It's because it's essentially a main roster NXT the way it's booked. It has smart writing, actual storylines that carry over. And not all the wrestlers show up every week. They they alternate in and out who appears on the show, so that it keeps it fresh, and prolongs the storyline without them just running around in circles the whole time, because they only have a two-hour time slot. Similar to how NXT only has a one-hour time slot. It's 
pr- it's pretty pretty spot on because as of recently, the SmackDown writing has been off the chart, and they've been focusing on the in ring and actually having decent storylines where things matter. Like there's consequences to your actions. It's not just a bunch of we're putting on matches for the sake of matches to fill time. Everything seems to matter on these shows. It's great. So let's talk about the key points from SmackDown that I wrote down because I actually watched this show. And the first is the uh, the reoccurring story that went out throughout the whole night, and that's Becky Lynch having her shot at Carmella at SummerSlam because she was able to beat her the week before. And Carmella comes out and is super upset, pointing out the facts that, yeah, Becky Lynch beat her fair and square. No, you know, she didn't cheat to do it. She just straight up lost. Becky was the first women's champion on SmackDown. She's the first woman drafted to SmackDown. Whereas Carmella was not only the last woman drafted, but the last person in the entire draft selected to any brand and how she feels like she's not good enough and she doesn't you know she's not doing the belt right and that she's just gonna have to give it all her best at SummerSlam to try to keep the belt as best she can and then she sneak attacks Becky Lynch because she's not actually upset about this this is the stuff that's motivating her to be pissed off is that she's not being respected as champion. Becky Lynch has been given everything, and they're going to try to give her the spotlight again at SummerSlam when it's her time to have the belt, and fuck that. And it was great. This segment was awesome. And then Charlotte Flair showed up again after being injured for a couple months and saved her friend. Except, whoops, this leads to Carmella complaining to Paige and also flaunting that she's the champion, which is a thing Paige will never get to be again. And, oh no, don't poke the person with the power like Ellsworth did that got him fired. Because now the main event of SmackDown is her against Charlotte, where now she can earn a title shot at SummerSlam, making a triple threat. And... Carmella not being a good wrestler in a singles match, probably not going to win. Especially without Ellsworth. Which, guess what? She doesn't win. Charlotte beats her. And now the triple threat. They interview Becky Lynch during the show to ask her about her thoughts on her best friend having this opportunity. And Becky is... You know, she worked real hard for this shot, and now, oh shit, Charlotte just showed up out of nowhere, and now she's going to make that road more difficult for her, and just end up having a title shot as well, when it's supposed to be her title shot. Becky earned it. So it adds a little bit of fuel to the fire with Becky Lynch and her best friend Charlotte, both having to go at each other while also focusing on a weaker champion opponent for the belt, which I'm going to guess leads to Carmella 
pitting these two against each other in the coming weeks, and then when the time comes, take advantage of one of them taking out the other, throw that person out of the ring, retain her belt. And you know what? I'm okay with that. As much as I want this title reign to end, if that's the way they go and they start possibly turning Charlotte into a heel after Becky kind of screwing her, I'd be kind of into that. Then we can get Becky to get the belt and then have an actual legit heel for her to face in Charlotte. And then you've reset the whole women's division and we're back to having decent storylines with good wrestlers. Which is a thing that we desperately need. What else? Oh yeah, Samoa Joe had a promo with AJ Styles not being there. You know, with the whole NXT theory going of Samoa Joe's going to be here this week. AJ Styles will respond next week. Keep them separated. Keep Stretch out the storyline without talking the same thing over and over again. Spinning in circles. I'm okay with it. But Samoa Joe goes a little far here. Where he is claiming that AJ Styles uh, talked a whole bunch about his wife and his his daughter. About the whole Evolution pay-per-view the week before. But AJ Styles would rather be on the road constantly defending his belt rather than being at home and being a family man. And he's just doing this wrestling to get away from his family. That's fucking dark. And I don't know if it's true or not, but it's still very dark. Samoa Joe, why? Why are you doing this, Samoa Joe? Yeah. This was a great promo. Lots of intensity. He's starting to get under AJ Styles' skin, which we're going to get a response next week. And I'm, I'm kind of into this. This is going to be good. Because I got a preview of the, the actual match this weekend. And let me tell you, these two work well together. As if they've worked together before. In another promotion. Or and I'm just crazy, I don't know. Something like that. We had a match between Zelina Vega and Lana. Which Paige set up. In, I forget if it was on the weekend or if it was on Monday. Via social media. And you would think. Ah, Lana's not good at wrestling. Zelina's a manager. This won't be good. It wasn't. But it was fine. These two did the best they could. With having less experience. And it wasn't the worst botchy mess imaginable. It was semi-competent. It went through a commercial break. It told the story it needed with it being Andrade getting up on the apron to try to distract Lana. Ain't English coming out to try to stop it, but oh no, he caused a bigger distraction and Lana lost because of it. And fuck Aiden English. He just ruins everything. It's fun. This continues the story ever so slowly and makes me wonder... Is Rusev going to side with his wife now and get rid of Aiden English? Or is Aiden English going to turn on both of them and pair with someone else? 
I'm I'm interested to see where this goes heading into SummerSlam. We had Jeff Hardy come out wearing his weird face paint, and he called out Randy Orton because Randy Orton cut that really seething promo the week before, and he's pissed off. He says, "I want you as belt, but also fuck Randy Orton. I want to fight him. Let me fight the Randall Snake Man." And Orton comes out. And before anything can happen, Shinsuke Nakamura shows up and beats the shit out of Jeff Hardy. A reverse of what they had done before. Except Orton gets into Nakamura's face. And looks like he's maybe stepping up. Trying to protect Jeff Hardy. Which more seemed like, hey, he's my thing. He's my dummy that I'm going to beat the shit out of. You can't do it. Except he then goes, alright, yeah, go ahead and Kinshasa him. I don't care. Which he does. They have another stare, and then Nakamura leaves. I think we're going to have ourselves a triple threat. And that would be cool. Oh, I forgot to add something to the notes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add it right now, because it's kind of a big deal. The tag tournament. We had the other semifinal match. It was the bar taking on the Usos. And we had the New Day on commentary. And by the New Day being on commentary, I mean they had their own table with bootios and pancakes decorated all over, and it was orange. And they had their own headsets, and they were just calling the match on their own. And the biggest bummer is, we didn't get to hear most of it, because it was mostly the normal commentary, and then they would fade in every now and then to whatever the New Day was doing. It wasn't a joint call with all six people, or just the New Day doing it, which is a shame. Because every time they cut to them, it was really entertaining. But, of course... Knowing it's the bar against the Usos, it was a good match. It's hard-hitting. They're using smart psychology, as these two teams were to do. But, of course, with the New Day being the other finalists, we have to have a heel team. And we've already had the Usos against the New Day a million times. Though, to be fair, we've had the bar versus the New Day a couple times, too. But, I digress. That's The, the bar wins the finals for the title shot are going to be the bar against the New Day. And I guess, well, it's kind of hard because the New Day are the faces, but also they've had their shot at the Bludgeon Brothers, and the bar just came back from injury. So they're kind of fresher in this. But then it's also heel versus heel. It's it's a messy situation. I don't, I don't know. We always could do the th- thing that they seem to be doing with a lot of these matches at SummerSlam and make it a triple threat. But kind of feeds the purpose of the tournament. So I, I don't really know how they're going to book themselves out of this one. I'll-, I'll be curious to see. And the last thing for SmackDown to talk about is... We had a segment with Daniel Bryan coming out and addressing whatever the hell that segment with The Miz was the last week. Which was 
the thing where the Miz and Maurice were there to promote their show and then use a baby doll to beat the shit out of Danny Bryan. Because, let me just say, if you think there's a baby being thrown at you, you probably want to catch it because it's it's a baby. I mean, in the moment, you're not going to know it's a baby doll. Come on. Though, to be fair, everyone watching at home knew it was a baby doll. It was pretty obvious. But still, I'm not going to fault Danny Bryan on that. He tried his best. He is pissed off at The Miz for what he did. Calls him a coward for hiding behind his wife and the child. And he wants to kick his ass. The Miz comes out. Or, you know, it has security blocking him as he uh, addresses Danny Bryan and says, Listen, you know, the last time you called me a coward was on Talking Smack. And instead of punching me in the face, you just walked away because you're really the coward. And then went on to talk about how his return to the WWE is too little too late. It's not working. The people aren't behind him as they were before. He should just go let his contract run out and go wrestle in a bingo hall where people might give a shit about him. And it was brutal. It was kind of true. Kind of true. I mean, I still like Danny Bryan. He kind of doesn't have that push behind him that he did back at WrestleMania 30, but that's not his fault. It's the way he was booked. I think if they give him this big platform at SummerSlam against The Miz, they he could win them back. And that's where Danny Bryan made the challenge for SummerSlam, which The Miz didn't answer yet. Because we still got time. And this feud is going to continue. And I'm into it. I like it. These two are, have been excellent. I want to see these two fight. And we're going to get it at SummerSlam. It's going to be... Hopefully, fantastic. Hopefully, they give him a lot of time. We let Daniel Bryan do his thing with a really hot crowd in Brooklyn. And hopefully, this is the thing to kickstart him back into being in the title picture. Where, you know, it'll probably be him versus... Well, really, there's no bad, bad choice coming out of SummerSlam. It being either Samoa Joe or AJ Styles. Both of those are excellent matches, so. The future is bright for SmackDown, and I think they're doing they're doing well with it. I, I'm happy. So yeah, that's it for SmackDown. And next, we're going to talk about tonight's episode of NXT. Because that happened... And it was, I can't say it was a good episode because Tommaso Ciampa's champion, and I'm not a fan of that guy. It's kind of like the worst ever. But we did have the opening match, which was Heavy Machinery against the Mighty. If you haven't been following NXT, TM61 are finally being called the Mighty now. And they have these long, cool jackets that have their new logo on the back, and it's awesome. And they're shit heels, and it's pretty great. Uh, Because what happened was before, 
you know, because, you know, things go on and off on NXT. Last time we saw Heavy Machinery, Tucker Knight was taken out by someone backstage before they fought the Mighty, and it turned into a handicap match with Dozovic getting handily beaten. But now they're back together. The Mighty start off throwing their jackets into the face of Heavy Machinery before the bell rings. Bad move. You're gonna get you're gonna get beat up, which they do. But once the bell rings and the match gets underway, it turns into the mighty using their double team moves, keeping Dozovic in their corner, and trying to get the win that way without Tucker Knight, the big guy, getting involved. Then, of course, Tucker Knight gets the hot tag, and is starting to roll on. Till a chop block by Miller onto his bad knee. And setting up, oh boy, this is the part where they isolate the guy who was hurt before and they're going to finish him. Except... The Street Profits music hit, and we look around and they're not coming from the stage. They're, they're in the crowd, just partying. I don't know why, it's, but it's awesome. The crowd is like super into it. Pretty great. And the Mighty are pissed off at this because, like, we're having a wrestling match. Why is there a party going on? While this is happening, Tucker Knight tags in Dozovic. And it sets up for the Compactor. And Heavy Machinery gets the win. Looks like we're going to have a feud between the Street Profits against the Mighty. And that should be a real fun one. I'm looking forward to that. Wow! Hot take from the chat. Oscar saying XT crowds are easily amused by dumb garbage. Wow. Well, I'm not. You, the fact you're calling the Street Profits garbage lets me know you don't watch NXT because they are great. Montez Ford is a star, and I will. I don't hear none of this. You, sh- you should see Montez Ford, like, in a match. He drinks from his solo cup, he gets super hyped about it, and he's just high-flying and entertaining. Angela Dawkins is Angela Dawkins, but he's doing the best he can. It's still developmental. Speaking of developmental, the next match was just Mustache Mountain beating a bunch of jobbers. Because... They're heating back up to have another shot at tag belts that they lost. And speaking of which, we had a post-match interview, or kind of like a, just a promo segment, since they weren't being interviewed, where Trent Seven apologizes because the last time they were at full sale was when they had that tag match against Undisputed Era for the belts, and he ended up costing it for his team. Because his leg almost got destroyed. However, he spoke to Mr. Regal. And now they have a plan. Bane elaborates that, you know, he threw in the towel because... Trent Seven's health means the world to him. Because, as commentary mentioned during that match, he's pretty much a father figure for him. So, that was a super sweet touching moment. But they are invoking the rematch clause, and we are going to have Mustache Mountain against Undisputed Era at TakeOver Brooklyn. And that match is going to tear the roof off the building. Oh my goodness. 
if you haven't seen their other two matches, the one at the uh, the UK special and the one at NXT a couple weeks after that, you should watch them. Because Mustache Mountain quickly becoming the, one of the top teams in all of WWE. They're so good. And even in this jobber match, they put on some impressive stuff. But it was still against jobbers, so... Yeah, I'm... That match, like... Shocking. A match at TakeOver where the tag championship match may be the one to steal the show. Seems to be a recurring trend with NXT these days. Then the match after this... Oh, boy. EC3 versus Kona Reeves. The top 1% against the finest. I forgot this match was happening. And then the, the, the graphic went up and I went, ah, shit. This is going to be terrible. But I do have some positive things I'm going to say. Like the fact that the crowd was singing the EC3's song, which is a dumb song, but it's also great. Uh, Kona still doing his on the finest thing, and the whole story for commentary being he wishes he was EC3, but he's not because he's a he's a dumb poser, which true. We did have a uh, a fun part where EC3 set up a move and he yelled "Say my name," and the crowd along with him said EC3 before he hit it. I I, I think EC3 might. He might be a... F- I don't know. I don't know if he's a face or not. Pretty sure he's a heel, and he's just playing up to the crowd because it's NXT and you can get away with that. He's kind of in the middle at the moment. I'm not entirely sure, because I know for sure Kona Reeves is a heel, and he sucks. Thankfully, this match doesn't go long, because the Velveteen Dream shows up with his music, because the theme of the night is... Interruptions! He cuts a promo with his cool graphics behind him, saying that EC3 is has not gotten over what happened at Royal Albert Hall, which is where the UK special was, where they had a match. Where they were part of a, of a tag match. And he says, if, if EC3 wants to talk about it, he has to come to the Dream's world. Which I assume is his spooky fog room. His vape chamber. His great vape, vape chamber? Yes, it's, it's Velveteen Dream's grape vape chamber. That's that's where it is. That's that's the Dream's world. So he goes to leave and he goes, oh wait, snaps his fingers. And with that, the, the set goes from his graphics back to normal. And it's an amazing moment. The Dream is so good. After after all this is happening, Kona Reeves tries to roll up a distract or hit a move of some sort to uh, pin a distracted EC3. He kicks out. EC3 is getting shit talked by Kona Reeves talking about how he's the finest or whatever the hell he's doing. EC3 says, "Actually, no. I'm gonna hit the I'm gonna hit the one percent and pin you because you suck." And that's it. Kona Reeves is so bad he couldn't even win on a distraction. After the commercials, we get an interview with EC3 backstage where he says that he'll play the Dreams game 
and you know go to Dream World, Dreams World, but he knows that this is going to end up as a fight rather than a conversation. So, setting up things, except that later they just straight up tell us what's going to happen. We'll get to that after this match, because the next match is Shayna Baszler against Candice LeRae. Non-title match, mind you, but Candice has been getting pissed off by Shayna Baszler talking shit behind her back, and now this is going to be the match where she gets get revenge, except, oh god, it's Shayna Baszler. You know, the big monster heel that breaks people's arms? Puts him in a weird position, stomps on him, and it looks like she broke her arm. Has a bunch of submission moves, or it looks like she's going to break your arm. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I had to look away. It was so brutal. Well, the, the, some, some, uh, skipping ahead a little bit. Uh, Shayna put for the Kirifuna clutch, which is her kind of like Hukina clutch style submission to make people tap out. But, and it's also, fun fact, how she beat Candice LeRae in the first Mae Young Classic. However, Candice got to the ropes. Shayna goes for it again. But Candice reverses out of it. And hits her... Uh, hits her... Uh, what, what do you call it? Into the unprettier. That's it. She has the unprettier. And she instead of going for the pin, because the unprettier is a finisher, she says, oh, I'm going to hit a line salt too, because I really need to put her away. She's been watching her G1. She knows that one finisher isn't enough. Unless you're Kenny Omega. And wouldn't you know it, Shayna dodged out of the way, hit her with a penalty kick, and then put her in the uh, the Kirifune again and made her tap out. Whoopsies. Bell rings. Shayna wins. She says, fuck, I'm going to put her in the move again because I'm an asshole. Kyrie Sane comes in for the save. And and the Shane hightails it. Kyrie goes to check on her buddy Candace, except oh shit, Chan's back and kicks her in the head from behind. This pisses off. Like the look that Kyrie had after this, she looked like fuming mad. And the referees had to hold her back as Shana bailed and went up to the stage to hold her belt and and continue to set up their match at Takeover Brooklyn. I thought it was good. It's a shame for Candace. Candace has a little bit of offense, but she she was sent to die in this. Kind of like Dakota Kai, which bums me out every time I think about it. We had a segment with Mustache Mountain in the parking lot at Full Sail. And uh, the interviewer is asking about what tricks they have up their sleeve to wish for their title match at TakeOver Brooklyn. And their response is... Why are people obsessed with tricks? We're good wrestlers. We'll do the good wrestling. And then we'll win the belts because we're good wrestlers. Duh. Except then War Raiders show up. And because they had some beef with the Undisputed Era from last week as well. And they're, and what they say is, I, I don't give a shit if you, whatever team of you guys win... We're going to destroy you, because we're the War Raiders. We're these big Viking men. And we want those belts. So, peace. Sure. That works. 
we get to we get to see William Regal staring at a camera in, her, in his office and say, "Hey, guess what? Here's two matches that I just signed for Takeover Brooklyn. It's the matches everyone expected: EC3 versus Velveteen Dream, and Adam Cole against Ricochet for the North American title. So those ones are official, and no one is surprised. And then we get to the main event." Segment. Tommaso Ciampa comes out with the belt that he won because he's the NXT champion. And the crowd's not happy. Half the crowd's into it, and that's fucked up, by the way. People should. He's the black heart. He's the top heel. Boo this man. Stop being smarky assholes. Just, Just stop. I pretty much zone out what he's saying because I'm so mad, but he does at one point go down to the old lady that's almost always at ringside and says, I remember you. You booed me, but it doesn't matter. This is my NXT now. I got this belt. Fuck you. Like, real means this old lady, and she's like, I think she said he has a small penis. I think that's how I could translate what the the hand sign that she gave him, but I'm not entirely sure. He uh, keeps talking shit, and then Aleister Black's music hits, and he comes out. Except before he can do anything, Johnny Gargano sneak attacks Chomp and runs him off into the where you know near the back, kind of like away from the crowd, over the barricade, that kind of small area where there's nobody, where he's hightailing it. And Johnny Gargano yells that the only reason that Ciampa is the champion is because of him. He's the only reason that Ciampa is the champ is the champion, which is true because he fucked up last week, and he fucked up this week by saying that while the ex champion's in the ring. Because as soon as he turns around, he gets a black mask right to the damn head. He gets knocked out. Alistair Black goes down to his Indian pose and has the mic and says, you know what, you're right. It is your fault that I'm no longer champion. You're, He's fucking dead now. I, th- I think we're going to get Alistair Black versus uh, Johnny Gargano. I- I'm guessing at an episode of XT because we have to have a title match for Ciampa, which I'm guessing is Alistair Black again. With the rematch. I don't see them adding Johnny making it a triple threat. I haven't looked at spoilers, so I don't know this. I'm just saying I don't expect Johnny to be added as a third person. But I wouldn't be surprised. I still think I'd like to see these two have a singles match again. Uh, Oscar said the worst thing possible in the chat. Which, again, is a reminder that he is banned from being on a microphone on the show. And that is Chompa versus Kona Reeves. Book it, you cowards. D- no. 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 That's it. We're, we're, we're wrapping the show up. I can't. I can't do this. Oscar's ruined everything. That's it for Heel Turn. It's a production of ProWrestling.Cool. 
It's not just cool. It's dot cool. It's a real website. Go visit it. We haven't had write-ups for Raw and SmackDown lately because the G1 coverage is taking a lot of my time. Thank you, Trace, for in, who's also in the chat, says Kona Reeves is bad, actually. Do not troll. Thank you. And if you want to hear more from my buddy Trace here, then you should subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash pwc. All subscribers to the Patreon will get access to our G1 coverage, which I guess now are just five-hour podcasts every week where we talk about how great the B Block is and how the A Block is doing their best, but their best isn't quite good. There'll be a new episode up this Thursday along with Heel Turn. So if if you haven't subscribed already, go do it. And if you want access to the finals and our recap of the finals, then you'll have to subscribe to the 9.99 tier. But if you want just all the other stuff, just pay a dollar. Easy. He also says, fuck Yoshihashi. That is not a troll. That is fact. And you'll get to hear us talk about how bad Yoshihashi is over on the Patreon. But if you want to follow this show, then end the websites on social media. Quite simple. Facebook, just search ProWrestling.cool or go to Facebook.com slash P-W-D-O-T-C. That's spelling the dot out because you can't put dot. It's complicated. Don't worry about it. The same thing goes for Twitter. Twitter.com slash P-W-D-O-T-C or at the heel turn. And if you want to follow me on social media for some reason, you can go to at the underscore ozone. That's me. I'm I'm the I, I tweet. Sometimes. Some people like it. I don't know. Whatever. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. It continues to be a struggle to do the show one man, but I'm doing the best I can, and that's all I can ask for. That's all you can ask for. Unless anyone knows how to, you know, take a bunch of dust and reformulate it into a, a person that yells a lot. Because that, that could be useful. If, if anyone has that technology, please tweet at me at Dunn's Ozone. I could use some help. That dude... It would it would help. We'll be back next week. It will probably still be me. Until then, y'all come back now. You hear? This podcast is a part of the Zonecast Network, produced and edited by Owen Douglas. Find more of our shows at zonecast.com.